0: Cool, <laughs> listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates
1: i'm sarah Golseth.
0: thanks to concordia university wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu live uncommon it's monday that means it is mental health monday good morning deaconess heidi gaiman good morning happy monday and are you ready to talk about emotions again today
2: always always ready to talk about <laughs> emotions <laughs>
0: Yes. <laughs> so, we're continuing our conversation on emotions and the gospel. Great new book from Heidi Gaiman and Concordia Publishing House. And so, the last time we, we talked about this foundation, today we actually are going to dig into the image of God. Mm-hmm. This is, there's a Latin phrase for this, isn't this? Isn't there? Imago yes. Dei? Is that mm-hmm. right? Did I get yeah. that? Right? Yeah. Yes. So, what does the image of God have to do with our emotions, Heidi?
2: Wait, I just have a question. Like, what about CUW as our underwriter? Like, don't we need to do that?
0: (laughs) Oh, I forgot. Thank you for the reminder. I was super excited. I'm sorry,
2: CUWAA. And I was like, wait, I'm so used to that pattern, I think. You know, like my body system was like, I don't think I can answer these questions yet.
0: (laughs) So thank you. Yes. Concordia University, Wisconsin, you're fantastic. And I'm so sorry. I jumped right over it because I was excited about emotions. Oh wait, is that an emotion?
1: It is. Oh. Uh, and as you I, probably
2: have more than that going on we, right yeah. now, right? Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> Let's right. talk about that's your a, emotions that you're feeling right now. Yeah, <laughs> we
0: get to we, we get to reference the CUW prof, I think.
2: We do. Yeah. Uh, we yes. Should. I think maybe that's yes. why I had it extra on my radar. <laughs> that's right.
0: Thank you, Concordia University Wisconsin, for your support. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
1: Live uncommon. All right. Now (laughs) Now now we're ready. Yes. Ask again.
0: Talk about the image of God. What does the image of God have to do with our emotions?
2: I would argue everything. (laughs) I really think this is quite foundational to the way we understand our experience of emotions. One thing I present over and over in the book is that emotions are really good to talk about as a concept, as well as our individual experience of them. And the concept of emotions is experienced outside of us because God is emotional. And so that means that how we understand emotions doesn't have to entirely depend on our experience of them and the human experience of emotion. And that's always really helpful. That gives us a a broader foundation with with a little objectivity. I mean, a little, I can't (laughs) overstate that. A little objectivity that helps us begin to search through God's vantage point of emotions, God's experience of emotion and the purpose of emotion if you will a little more. This I will give a disclaimer is a little bit I think of a theological mystery area a lot of a theological <laughs> mystery area. So in today's episode we're going to get cozy with mystery. I think we we generally always are on mental health Monday, but image of God in particular there's a several different vantage points of what that means scripturally. They don't have a a lot of difference, but there's enough nuance that there would be people that would leave emotions outside of this topic of the image of God. And I want to work to try to connect them for us in the book. And so, you guys are probably going to have some questions. Feel free to, you know, throw them at me. But don't be surprised when a lot of the time I will give the answer of, you know, that is something we're not quite sure about how that works. We just know it is, <laughs> you know, things like that. Or even we're not really sure. That's not something that God speaks very clearly on. And we leave that to Him. So, this is a very open conversation about our. Ideas that we gain from Scripture of emotions and the image of God, a, most of it isn't hard and fast, while giving us some foundation.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it. This chapter is takes a little jump off the deep end a bit, which was it was a nice little <laughs> light, nice little swim through that deep end.
0: It was quite an image there.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so where do yeah? Well, where do we?
2: I was just going to say, like, I hope it's not overwhelming. I think that's one thing I would say about this chapter that I want people to know is that this is the deep end of theology of emotions, whereas other sections of the book are more practical, a little more face forward with stuff that we do know, or at least that research lines up and the biblical research can be done a little bit more clearly. On, I think sometimes the deep end though is a great place to start because it reminds us to just come before God and. And find out more about him and to accept that invitation from God rather than, I think, having such a separation when we learn about God and, and try to understand him in our cognitive senses. This is more of that whole, whole experience of being in the presence of God.
1: I think it's helpful, though, because a lot of times, I don't know, like when you're a kid and you read about being created in the image of God, a lot of times we take that very literally and think like my face or my Mm -hmm. body. But it's more than just that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This is where the
2: brass tacks comes down to it. And I'll jump off the Lutheran deep end now in particular, where we tend to take, and this is because a lot of our historical writings that are important to us take an Augustinian view. I think we touched on that a little bit last time in one of the last podcasts, an Augustinian view, which is very thought, reason, logic, prefrontal cortex oriented, if you will. Augustinian felt that the, I think it's him or or maybe it's Luther, but somewhere in there between the two, Augustine, Augustine, why can't I ever say that right the first time? And then Luther have this concept that the image of God is lost in the fall into sin because of uh, the, you know, jumping, if you will, into our own senses rather than maintaining that perfect relationship with God. And so, I think that's a biblical stretch, in my opinion. And I double-checked this with others that I trust who are wiser, smarter, and more learned than me and spend a lot more time in the Hebrew scriptures. And I was pleased to find that I'm not the only person who feels this way, that, that that view is too limited at the very least, that maybe that's true, but we really don't know. This is an area we don't know. Instead, I really think, especially when you read through the accounts of Scripture and God's experience of emotions, that emotions— as part of the image of God, make more sense, if you will, because we reflect the fullness of God in that way. Like we are not divine, but we have thoughts because God has thoughts, and we are made in His image. We have emotions because God is emotional. We are made in His image. Um, we have form, you know, because God He took human form eventually in the person work of Jesus Christ. That those are. That's, I think, a more fuller understanding of the image of God. And while we don't quite know exactly how that works or how it works, especially with the fall into sin, which we'll get to brokenness and the fall into sin and emotions in the next podcast episode, we do know that they're intimately linked. I think if you open scripture and look through them, that when the Bible says God's thoughts are not our thoughts, our thoughts are not God's thoughts. I think you could also say that God's emotions are not our emotions, (laughs) like that we have them because we are made in his image, but we do not reflect them in the same way because God is God and we are not. We're going to have kind of parallel experiences, but not the same experience as God with emotions.
0: Okay, I need to wrestle with something here a little bit. Do, it. Right? Do it. I love it. Okay. So, <laughs> you one of the one of the phrases that you used that that caught my attention and probably because I'm Lutheran and struggle with this was God it, we have emotions because God is emotional. Mm-hmm. And I think the word emotional in some contexts has a negative connotation. Mhm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, we're gonna get to that. Even there's an entire chapter in the book on that concept of too emotional, especially and how culturally we like apply that to people. Is there a negativity to being emotional? One thing I present in the book over and over again is we are not vulcans. Like. We don't actually believe that. We have no reason to stand on that as our worldview, that emotions in themselves are problematic. Scripture itself does not present any circumstances that say that emotions in themselves are problematic. So then I think it helps to look a little bit closer at certain emotions from God and the breadth of them, I would say, the width of God's emotion. And one thing I love is that, Dr. Jastrom, Dr. Nathan Jastrom, he is currently at CUW. He was my prof. I believe yours as well, right, Andy? I, was he yours, Sarah at Concordia Chicago or was that were you later? No, he was not as I'm in sad event. for you. I'm sad for you that you are not in that club. He
0: translated the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I've heard. <laughs> so good. I mean, we got to go to the museum and see the Dead Sea Scrolls yeah. with Dr. Nathan. Okay, I digress. But he reminded me really to lean into our law and gospel heritage, that dialectical heritage of uh, when we talk about this concept of God being emotional in the image of God, like God is not only emotion, right? Like he is also thought, he is also divinity, he is also so much more. And the same thing that when we talk about God's love, we have to talk about God's hate, that's really uncomfortable. But biblically, we see both. And so when we we zone in and only look at one, we have a problem. And I think the same is true when we see God's regret is an important emotional nuance in the story of Noah and the flood and how God regrets creating humanity, that's rough, right? And to be able to see that though within that law gospel approach, that Christocentric, that Jesus is in all things, and that regret isn't all God is in that moment, that's really helpful. We can hold that alongside God's joy and delight in humanity that we see so often. And so when we move through emotions in scripture and look at them from God's vantage point, this is very different, I think, than most of us open the Bible. We open the Bible to look for us. (laughs) And as Lutherans, I think we get a little closer to opening the Bible to look for Jesus. But what if we also open the Bible to look for God's emotional life? Again, you can't take it too far. That's not all he is. But there's something powerful in being able to see that, again, these things happen apart from me. God has emotions in his perfection and you're right Andy if that concept that God is to, is emotional is uncomfortable then at least take the sentence that God has emotions that mm-hmm. we are emotional people because God is emotional and it's part of his like what he has given us not just to be as humans but because of that image of God i think that transforms the way we see emotions
0: Absolutely. And even the the word emotional and and you mentioned the word hate. I think both of those words, the images that come to mind, like emotional, the image that comes to mind is someone being overdramatic Mm -hmm. rather than really understanding that emotional means the full spectrum of emotions Mm -hmm. and that they're good, that Mm -hmm. having emotions and understanding their purpose and what we do with them, which we'll get to what we do with them in the future. Mm -hmm. And, And even the word hate, like that draws up images in our minds as well. And not necessarily understanding that when God hates something, that it's coming from a place of love, that he despises something, that he rejects something yeah. beca- out of. It's and, wild. And I think and you,
2: you can't hold them apart from each other. And I think that's where God's emotions really are set apart. Now, I think we would best be served by recognizing that we also experience what I like to call emotion soup most of the time, that we rarely are experiencing one singular emotion. And again, I really believe that's because we're created in the image of God. We're more complicated than that. And so God then also is better held understanding that idea that he's not so simple. And when we hear words like that, that we're uncomfortable with, to look broader and to see the a broader picture of who he is. This is why we don't take verses out of context. It's why we don't don't just read that singular verse and take it to say how God feels about anxiety, for instance. That's so dangerous. Instead, yeah, widen the lens. Always very useful for our relationship with God and other people.
0: In our compromised human Nature we can't articulate or even comprehend more than one thing at a time. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're mm-hmm. just not very good at recognizing that we can have more than one emotion at a time. And we'll we'll talk more about emotions in a minute <laughs> it's because time for it's, I know.
1: How does that happen? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll continue the conversation with Digitis Heidi gave in just a moment. You're listening to the coffee hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Gilset. <laughs>
0: welcome back to the coffee hour i'm andy bates
1: i'm sarah galseth
0: it is mental health monday and we are talking about emotions and the gospel from deaconess heidi gaiman's book emotions and the gospel today we're taking a look at the image of god so where
1: mm-hmm. uh, let
0: me go back mm-hmm. what are the emotions of god that we see in scripture we didn't dig into this yet did no. we? okay
2: no, we have. Um, yeah. I think it's cool. And it helps as Trinitarian people to see it also as, you know, zooming in to see Jesus and his human experience of emotion while still remaining divine. Again, when we struggle to see the gospel in something, that's always a good place to go, is to just go straight to Jesus' experience. I think it makes more sense to us. Like you said, in our, in our humanness, we have limited thoughts where God is not limited. And so, you know, zooming in and sticking with Jesus' humanity and divinity in emotional experience is really helpful. So we see lots of things from Jesus. You know, we see joy. We see trouble. And trouble is one of my favorite Greek terms. The way that that is translated is a much broader term than simply anxious or distressed. There's just so much in that word when we read it, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus' depth of emotion that causes him to sweat drops of blood pretty mind blowing and you also see his compassion that's that compassion is so strong that there's an entire chapter on it later in the book that compassion that goes out to people but he it it's a felt experience within himself. And so we see that often. We also see that from God the Father or the Trinity itself in a broader sense throughout Scripture as well. Compassion is really marked time and time again in the Bible. I think we often think of things like mercy as objective Reality is like something God offers, like He hands off, and that is true, but it's also an emotional experience of Scripture. So often these things aren't delineated very clearly, and so when I talk about them in the book, I talk about emotions and emotion-adjacent words, like words that we know are felt experiences within our own life and where in Scripture can we see them as God's interaction—you know—that He, it's it's moving Him to behaviors and action toward us, or He is, you know, having an emotional experience in the way that we would understand emotional experience, but also then maybe outside of that. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else I mentioned. Regret. I mean, we see God get angry quite a bit. People have a hard time with the Old Testament because I think because we see so many emotions from God so often that we. don't necessarily want to experience alongside of him or see him as having the problem is is that puts us in this place where you know so many people have a fear based view of god and i think a lot of that has to do is just not really knowing him like we know of him we know about him but when we allow ourselves to be fully in a relationship when we let the Spirit just free inside of us to show us God's fullness in Scripture with His emotional self especially, then we get to know Him in in just really stark relational terms that otherwise we have a little bit of distance between us and God.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it makes a huge difference too that God doesn't sin when He mm-hmm. has all of these emotions and we have absolutely no concept of what that even would be mm-hmm. because we we can't do anything without tainted by sin at some point. Okay. So how how does that how does that relationship work then between knowing that 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 God's emotional state is in in absolute perfection and ours is not.
2: Yeah. We're gonna talk about this at length next episode when we talk about brokenness and emotions. Yeah. But I would say a couple of things off the bat. One is I think our propensity to the propensity to elevate certain emotions is actually a reflection of that right like we love pleasure <laughs> like we think pleasure is amazing you know we we love happy and we'll follow it off a cliff god does not <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't elevate certain emotions and in fact i think in many ways when we read the psalms or we read the gospels and see jesus's human experience god God's elevation of emotions that we are uncomfortable with, like the experience of sadness, I think it's quite notable. There's a Psalm that says that he collects our tears in a bottle. And I used to be really angry about that verse when I was going through a hard time, especially because I was thought it was so morbid. The fact that God, he just like, he needs my tears. What is that? Like he wants that sacrifice from me. You know, I kind of saw it as this like authority of God wanting this thing from me. And then when I sat with God in my hard stuff I read it differently I read that he values those tears like they're very precious to him and and there are parts of the Bible that actually say that outright, that they're precious to Him. That changes the nature, right, of tears in our life then. And you think about the times that you've been able to share with someone in a relationship both joy, but also to share the harder things while it can be distressing and even crushing to some time. I much would rather have relationships where we can share that stuff. There's so much more depth in them. And mm-hmm. and I think that God values things differently than we do. So I would say that's the number one way that I see that our imperfection taints. Our experience of emotions is we seek after, we can turn anything into hedonism, right? Like we can. And our emotions <laughs> are one of those things. The other thing I would say that I see chain, that changes it is that we Will utilize our emotion to then like cultivate that into sin. I am hard pressed, and I keep studying this because I don't think it's a hard and fast answer, but I'm hard pressed to find emotions themselves that are sinful. Now, that's really challenging because things like lust or jealousy, you know, I could keep naming ones that were, I, traditionally, I think we lean more toward, well, well, that's sinful. And I don't know that it's that simple, and I don't think we have the hours we need to have that conversation right now. I would say draw back, look at those things closer in Scripture and the fullness of them, and how we as humans can instead take things like desire— which is the seed of lust, and then turn them into something that's sinful. And so I think we have to, it's all semantical, of course, to some degree, but I think we do need to pull back on seeing emotions as sin that leads to poor behavior, when in reality, we have an emotional experience, and we simply as humans like to follow them. Like we have a challenge, (laughs) letting ourselves simply have an emotion and moving past it. Instead, we engage in places that we probably shouldn't you know we just shouldn't cultivate that thing
0: Hmm. so what do our emotions then reveal about god what is the fact that we have emotions and a a variety of emotions what does that reveal about Mm -hmm. god who he is
2: i think the The most important thing it reveals is that that idea that emotions themselves are not necessarily sinful as much as we want to see it that way. When we take the emotion of hate in scripture, God experiences that without sin. That's important. That is one that I am especially uncomfortable with and I see far too much of in our world. I need God's version of it, not mine. You know, I need God's version of these things, not the human version of it. And so I think that it helps us to then become closer to God because we're turning to him to figure these things out instead of turning to understand ourselves or the people in our lives. It then gives us more stability with ourselves and the people in our lives because we turn to God instead to figure out the hard things. Um The other thing I think it does is gives us a very clear idea of how strong that concept of knowing is to God, like the relational know that we see in Scripture. And I talk about this in the chapter on the image of God, and I'm just going to read a little section. It says, emotions can help us to see God, even if only in part. In the words of the Apostle Paul, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. That's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. Emotions are a part of being known. And so when we see them as so separate from God, something that he'd rather us not have, something he's not interested in, or something that he can't quite understand because he doesn't have that experience of it, then we we limit even that partial knowing of God. And it gives us a fuller sense of understanding and a fuller sense of relationship with him. I think we start to see a God that I think I want to know more. You know, it just makes me so curious about him and interested in him because it isn't a limited distant version of him. Emotions are personal, you know, and we have a Mm -hmm. personal God.
0: Emotions in the gospel, the image of God, We'll dig in more next week as we move on to the next chapter. Our guest, as usual on Mental Health Monday, Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Thank you so much, Heidi.
2: Hey, thanks for muscling through this conversation. I turn the the listener to the book itself to get maybe a slightly more logical <laughs> version of this conversation. <laughs> and also the work of Dr. Nathan Jastrom, because he's a lot of stuff on the image of God that's really helpful.
0: Yeah, it was great to see some references to him and, and quotes from him as well in the in this chapter. HeidiGaiman.com, You can find out more there as well as Concordia Publishing cph.org. Thanks so much, Heidi. Have a great week.
1: Thanks. See you next time.
0: You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.